Welcome to 40,000 Steps Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Heimerman, and I am not a licensed healthcare professional, not a doctor, not a therapist. No, I'm a guy with 814 days of sobriety, and I'm a guy with the gumption to put his story out there. I've never had brain surgery. However, my guest on this podcast has. He is the one and only Martin Parker. He had joined us a few months ago to talk about his battle with Parkinson's, his recovery from alcohol and cocaine, and now he's here today to talk about brain surgery, specifically DBS, where they implanted an electronic device into his brain to fix his Parkinson's symptoms. This is Must Listen Radio. I'm so grateful he's here to share that and to share his story of hope. I'm grateful to you, the listener, for being here with us. I'm looking out the window, and it's a beautiful day to get our 40,000 steps in. So let's get it. So it's been a terrific few weeks, specifically for our guest, Martin Parker. It's been an extraordinary few weeks where his successful brain surgery, it's paid off exactly the way that he wanted it to. And you know what? That's not true. It's been better than he expected. For a bit more background on Martin's recovery and leading up to his decision to have brain surgery, uh, you can go into the 40,000 Steps Radio back catalog. We had him on for episode 16. Uh, So yeah, if if you've got a lot of extra time, uh, go back and listen to that first or after this. It's your world. I'm just living in it. You can follow him on Instagram, Martin P as in Parker, K-I-S at Martin PKIS, and you can watch him work out without symptoms of Parkinson's. And then you can scroll down to previously, and you can see him work out with Parkinson's. It is night and day different, and it is extraordinary. So wow, what a couple of weeks for him. It's been a terrific few weeks for me too, if I can uh, self-adulate here for a moment. A few weeks ago, my beloved Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals. Fear the deer, Bucks in six, whatever hashtag we want to throw on that. You know, I, I, I know that I know that for a lot of people, it's unclear why sport ball is so personal, but Milwaukee is very important to me. My heart is still there, and the Brewers and Bucks, I live and die with every possession, every pitch. So it's a very big deal. Still basking in the afterglow of that. I just landed my first speaking gig, my first paid speaking gig with All Points North Lodge out in Colorado. Just finalized the agreement. They're going to pay me to be part of their speaker series. I don't think that they've added me to the website yet, but to learn more about the speaker series, you can go to apnlodge.com. That's Apple Paul Neighborhood Lodge.com. 
and you can see some of the other extraordinary people who have uh, who've given speeches. Particularly, one of my favorites is Daryl Stinson. Holy buckets! It is an amazing speech that you should check out, and I'm humbled that I get to join that lineup. And hey, I, I've <laughs> I left the very best for last. It's been an extraordinary few weeks because today is an indescribable day for me. It is the birthday of my twin daughters, Anna and Elise. They turn eight today, today being August 10th. You know, full disclosure, a little bit of podcast magic revealed. Today, it's actually August 9th. So by the time you're hearing this tomorrow, it's their birthday. We are going to the American Girl Store in Chicago. We're going to have lunch there. We're bringing their dolls. I just, I just can't wait because these girls deserve every great thing. You know, I, I don't know why we feel compelled to come up with the best day of our lives because, you know, for me, there would always be that, that debate between my wedding day and the day that the girls were born. But if, if you made me pick one, I would say that it would be the day the girls were born because that's the day that they arrived and our family became complete. That's the day that, you know, Kayla and I, especially Kayla, <laughs> who birthed them, that's the day that we, we, we did it. We formed our little family and it's everything that I dreamed of. So I, I, happy birthday to my little girls, my brilliant, sweet, smart, empathetic, often maddening, just perfectly imperfect daughters. I, you know, I got sober about two and a half years ago and, you know, I, I did it so that I could be a better father to them, a better husband to Kayla. It's the best decision I ever made. It's the best investment I ever made in our family. So I, I do need to take a moment here uh, to pay some credit to one of our friends of the podcast, our partner, Gateway Foundation in Aurora, Illinois. If drugs or alcohol are starting to take over your life, it's time to get honest with yourself and get help. These days, many people are at home or out of work, and the temptation to turn to alcohol and drugs to cope with stress and anxiety is stronger than ever before, right? Stop using now before it's too late. Gateway Foundation is here for you and your family with life-saving inpatient as well as virtual programs so you can access the help you need from the privacy of your own home. Don't wait to get help that you or a loved one needs. Most insurance plans are accepted. Call Gateway Foundation now at 877-505-HOPE. That's 877-505-4673 to schedule a free confidential consultation or you can visit gatewayfoundation.org and get the help that you need today. So thanks to Gateway, I get to be fully present for my kiddo's birthday. So yeah, I've had a hell of a few weeks. I'm really excited about some of the things that are unfolding. Grateful for this little family of mine and grateful to be joined by Martin Parker. Grateful that you get to hear his story. Uh, not just, uh, you know, the, the blow by blow of his brain surgery, but to hear what it's done for him, the hope it's given him. And you're going to love his answer when I ask him, what are you going to do now? So there's your deep tease. This is my conversation with my comrade, my homie, my bestie, <laughs> Martin Parker. Martin Parker. 
Hey, good morning, homie. Hey, how are you doing? Great, man. Good. How was your workout this morning? It was great. It's good. It's uh, it's a lot better than I ever thought it could be. It's crazy. You know, you sent me the side by side and I mean, it's absolutely nuts. Well, hey, first of all, let's talk sports for a minute. I, I see the Eagles picture behind you. What's that about? Yeah, the Eagles have been my favorite team since high school. I bought a hat uh, when they changed their symbol. Didn't realize it was an Eagles hat, and then I became an Eagles fan, and then ever since then, ever since then. Are we are we talking, were, were these the Randall Cunningham days? Uh, Yeah, Randall Cunningham, Irving Fryer, all that stuff. Then uh, Donovan McNabb came in, and, and even he was even a fan when Ricky Waters was playing. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they just seemed like, like regime after regime. They just kept rolling out great teams. Yeah, they, they seemed to be always on the cusp, always making the playoffs and never going anywhere. But then they finally made it over the hump, the Super Bowl win, and they started eating horse shit and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but they beat, hey, they beat Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, that's it. That's like, that's the pinnacle, isn't it? Yeah, it was. That was fun. I mean, I, I just, as as one of like, <laughs> I know it's not cool to hate Tom Brady. I get it. <laughs> But I, but I do it anyway. That yeah. was fun for me. That was a lot of fun. I used to hate him. I used to have the big argument where it's all Belichick. It's all Belichick. It's yeah. He's been in. The, he's been the product of one system through his whole career. I mean, what other player has succeeded after they've left that regime? Yeah. And Tom Brady did it again this year. So. <laughs> I got to stop hating on him. I mean, the man is like too gorgeous, too perfect, too wonderful of a family, too everything. Yeah. And I think that like haters like yeah. me push back against that. But let's, and in that spirit, let's not overlook the fact that he was gifted an <laughs> insanely good defense. That's one of the, one of the best running defenses I've oh, seen absolutely. in years. And despite like how much the NFL has become pass oriented, when you shut down the run, you, you just, you gum up the works, but Hey, but you were at the, you're at the blue Jays game the other day. Is, is this a, is this a big thing for you? Oh yeah. Uh, it's a big thing. Cause they just opened up. They just came back from Buffalo. Buffalo was joking around that they're going to steal our team. Like we were going to steal the bills, <laughs> but uh, that wouldn't be a bad trade right now. You can, you could get Josh Allen out of that. That wouldn't be bad. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a lot of fun bugging my friend. I, I sent him uh what are those things called? Uh, a, a cameo, cameo. That's what it's called. His favorite player when we were kids was Don Beebe. So I, I was able to get Don Beebe to send him a cameo for like 30 bucks. So I said, I said to my, I said to Don Beebe, I said, Don, can you get, my friend to help send him a birthday wish and say, I hope his birthday goes right, but not too far. Right. <laughs> the Ryan Lindell callback. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he did it. He, he said, uh, I know Martin has got a, obviously has a long memory, but we got to have a short memory and we got to circle the wagons here. And we're going to do it this year. And, <laughs> <laughs> Good for Don for having such a great sense of humor about yeah, it. <laughs> it was good. So I don't know if we ever talked about this. I know you got into us, uh, you know, uh, like powerlifting and stuff a few years ago. But what about when you were a kid? Did you sp did you play sports as a kid at all? I played football when I was a kid. I played baseball, softball. I ran track in elementary school. All right. Well, it, it's funny that you mentioned running. I, I got to drop this in here that I'm so grateful to one of our newer sponsors, to, to our newest sponsor, 
Michelle Quirk at Mindful Marathon. I say it on the podcast a lot, exercise is medicine. Well, my favorite pediatrician and running coach, Michelle Quirk, she's helping countless people get healthy and realize their potential through her business, Mindful Marathon. Maybe you're looking to run a mile without stopping to walk, or you're training for a 5K or a marathon, any number of distances. Maybe you're a former track star who hasn't laced them up in years. Michelle meets her clients exactly where they are, and she gets results. She does so by building you an individualized training plan. She's with you every step of the way with regular calls, check-ins, and support. She's helping me out with my training for 101K at the Hitchcock Experience in December, and I'm counting on her to lay out my calorie intake as the training runs get longer. Go to mindful-marathon.com right now and click on that purple button in the upper right, the one that says schedule a call. Take advantage of a free consultation. Every runner starts from somewhere, even if that mile is zero. Michelle's going to meet you there. She's going to root for you, and she's going to celebrate with you at the finish line. So go to mindful-marathon.com right now and start your journey today. So I'm not sure that you want to uh, join me in that 50K and 101K training just yet, but just know that the offer is always on the table. (laughs) Yeah, I played football. Uh, all the way up till I was 18, and then I, because there wasn't really anywhere to go with it. I'm not playing hockey in this Canada. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did, I mean, was this just a matter of I can't skate? I don't want to skate. I'm not into it. Uh, well, my parents never got me into it as a kid. Um, it's expensive as hell. Expensive, yeah, it's really expensive. As as a journalist would call it, I am totally burying the lead here in terms of you know what we came here to talk about. Okay. You know, you know, walk me through this. First off, this kind of feels like a question on like an application where it's like, is this your first time having brain surgery? If so, check <laughs> this box. This was your first go around with DBS, right? Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's my last one. It, it was quite the experience. Uh, I wasn't allowed to take any of my meds. Of course, meds were half a lot of the problem. I'm a little more steady now this time, and I'm not making as much noise as this time. It was unbelievable. I didn't even realize I was doing stuff like that. I was just moving around because it felt like it was supposed to be. And now that I'm steady and now that I now I can put a thought together and things like that, it's it's just amazing to me what happened. But uh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to take any meds, so I could barely walk on the way in. Luckily, my brother he has a job there, and he was able to walk me in at six o'clock in the morning. I had to lean against them the whole way. Kind of brought back some memories of when I was drinking. Hmm. I, I kind of joked with him and I said, I wonder what that bouncer would say to me now if he said I didn't have Parkinson's, right? Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love your dark humor, man. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah, and if he knew exactly what I meant, but it was referring to a time where they wouldn't let me into a bar and I was obviously drunk and I told him you're just maligning me because I had Parkinson's and, and I showed him my pills and yeah, but anyway, so I, I walk in there and I he walks me in, he gets me a wheelchair, he wheels me in. I got to sign things, which was really hard because I can't, I have no motor skills. And, and yeah, so I sit there and I wait and I wait and I wait. And they finally pull me into uh, this waiting area for my MRI. I said, okay, well, I've had lots of these before. I've had a lot of CAT scans and MRIs. But then they start uh, pulling out metal, like a metal frame stuff's rolling around and they start building something around my head and they said okay close your eyes because this is going to sting we don't want the antiseptic to go in your eyes 
I guess it's not antiseptic, it's just a freezing agent. So I closed my eyes and I kept them closed and I, I could feel the needle go in the first two slits in the front of my forehead and the back two in the back of my head. And then they're building this thing around me. And then all of a sudden I feel this inclination to open my eyes and I open my eyes and she's going at me with a screwdriver and she's screwing screws in my head and I don't even feel it. Wow. They explained this to me at the beginning. They said, this is what's going to happen. This is the most uncomfortable thing you're going to feel. And I said, okay. So I kind of joked with her and I said, this is probably why you told me to keep my eyes closed. And she laughed. Right. And then, uh, so they placed this big cube on my head and they took me into the MRI machine and I sat in there for a little while and I was a little uncomfortable. Hey, uh, Martin, th th this, this is embarrassing. My Husky is attacking my black lab. I'm going to, I'm going to let him into the <laughs> studio. I'll be okay. right back. All right. All right. Okay. Dexter. <laughs> oh man that is rule number one is do not leave the geriatric black lab where the husky can get to him during an interview that's i <laughs> this is that's a rookie mistake so i i'm i'm sorry that's okay so i went for this cat scan mri and then they told me that was the most uncomfortable i would be he was lying then i they took me out of the room and they I was really nervous and I, I didn't know what to do. I just sat there and uh, then the anesthesiologist came and explained to me that I'd be awake through the whole thing because uh, I needed to be, but I would be kept in a state of calm, but I wouldn't be put all the way out. And if I was too, it took too long for me to answer or tell them what was going on, then he would have to stop giving me any drugs whatsoever. They laid me down, asked me if I had any worries or questions or concerns. I said, yeah, all of it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Where, where do I begin? <laughs> they kind of laughed and they strapped me down. They put me in and, and then uh, all of a sudden my head is, I can feel my head being cut. And I said, I can feel that. And they said, that's okay. You won't in a minute. And of course, the freezing took hold. And then uh, I could, I thought that was it. And then he goes, I need you to open your mouth because it gets pretty loud and I don't want you to chip your teeth. Wow. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I oh, just got to start this. And all of a sudden my head just starts vibrating and I can't stop. And uh, yeah, he cut a hole in my head, I guess. So you can see the scars. Yeah. They cut a hole in my head and they, uh, and then all of a sudden they start shouting out battleship, like numbers like battleship and things like that. Uh, like B14 or, or, and I didn't realize what they were doing. Yeah. Well, I, I think the last thing that you want to hear at that point is somebody say miss. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what, you know, what's kind of crazy about this and in no way, shape or form, do I want to diminish childbirth? Yeah. But like my, my, my wife had to go through a C-section. She said, she said, you know, one of the weirdest things was like feeling that she was being cut open because she could feel the pressure and stuff. Yeah. That's got to be wild enough and sort of traumatizing enough as it is. But for you, this is your fucking head, man. Yeah, yeah, it was just my head. But the drugs and the anesthesiologist was very good. Like, I, it was weird. My brain was open, my head was open, and I was completely calm about yeah. it. Like, I had little certs of anxiety, but they were kind of like, oh, that's okay. At one point, I even heard 
my vitals go down. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there playing with a little finger thing, trying to push my finger all the way into the vital. Like that was the problem. But my vitals actually did go down and they weren't concerned about it because they do this on a weekly basis. Yeah. And they said it was normal. And I said, okay. Uh, but what I realized that they're doing when they're shitting out B14 and B15 and things like that is from the CAT scan before, they were geomapping my brain mm -hmm. to figure out where to put these electrodes to help me out. And so they shared out these numbers and then they they asked me if I, I could feel things. And I said, well, yeah. And they, they give me little shocks and they keep turning it up and turn it up and to the point where I... <laughs> where they jolted me so hard one point that I felt sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, that must be the spot. And there was one spot where it wasn't working, but I guess it was really weird to think about because the guy was, I guess, had his finger in my brain putting in the implant and my arm started moving. I didn't know why my arm was moving. And the doctor said, that's good. That must be the right spot because his arm is moving involuntarily. How vividly do you remember this now? Is it foggy or, or do you remember this pretty vividly? I remember it pretty vividly. I remember the point where I told the anesthesiologist, anesthesia, <laughs> anesthesia, anesthesia, <laughs> that he's doing a great job. Oh, you're rooting him on. That's great. Yeah. And he's, I, I said, can I get some more of that? <laughs> he goes, oh, you want some more? And I said, yeah. There was one point where I was getting kind of aggravated and I wanted to say I really want to say come on guys this isn't rocket science it's only brain surgery but I, I kept that in check because I don't want to start messing with people while they're messing with my brain yeah yeah that that seems like good advice yeah. so anyways they got that all sorted out and then uh, they said who do you want me to call and I said call my mom she's completely worried so Wait, he was they, able to <laughs> they didn't establish this beforehand they established, <laughs> they established my next of kin, but he was wondering who I, they wanted me to call. Okay. And I, I said my mom, cause she'll let everybody else know that's weird too. So you had this done at a hospital, right? Oh yeah. Toronto Western <laughs> hospital. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was in a sorry. back alley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't let this guy drive home. We should, <laughs> we should figure who we should call. Oh shit. So he finds the spot. Yeah. And you have the involuntary arm movements. So right. where, where do things go from there? Where do things go from there? Well, they plant it in and, and then they, they seal me up. I can feel them put a cap on my brain. I asked them if they're putting the, my skull back in place because mm -hmm. they cut a hole out and they said, no, we're just putting a cap over top. Okay. So now when I scratch my head, it just feels like nothing. Like I, I get an itch and stuff like that. But, uh, so wait, wait, then they wait, said wait, 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 is, is, so is, is that your original top of your head then? Or is, or is that like a prosthetic of sorts? There's a prosthetic in there. Like you can see it. Okay. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. I mean, damn. <laughs> like I got this battery in my chest. I see that. And then it goes, the cord goes all the way up. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then through here. Wow. Yeah. I, I should point out that, uh, you know, Martin has an incredible open, honest, inspiring presence on Instagram and elsewhere. But my favorite, you know, forum is Instagram. It's Martin P for Martin Parker, uh, K I S you should follow him on Instagram. And I, I follow you closely, but may, uh, but it, just to be clear, like, do you, 
because this is audio only, obviously. Yeah. You, you show folks like the battery and, and the cord and, and stuff in, in a menagerie of your videos, right? Yeah, I do. I, it allows me to walk around the metal detectors at baseball games, I found out. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Wearing a tank top and I went around the corner and went around the metal detector and they almost wanted to look like they wanted to kill me, but then I flashed the battery. And they said, oh, forget about vaccine passports. <laughs> You've got a battery, man. No, no security checks for you. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, anything else notable between between that and you calling your mom and, and going home? Or? Well, they called my mom and then they put me to sleep to put the battery in my chest. OK. OK, of course. Yeah, because the, I guess it's I have to be awake for the brain surgery part, but putting the battery in my chest. I had to be asleep for. I get the impression that that you didn't, you weren't fully aware of that leading up that you were going to be awake when they, when they worked on your brain. Was that the case? No, I wasn't fully aware of that. I thought maybe they would have had it all worked out. I thought maybe that was a thing of the past. I thought maybe they've done this enough times where, you know, they know where the spots are, but the spots are always different Yeah. to everybody else. And, and like everything else in Parkinson's, every, like everybody has different, different tells different the different responses is it symptoms symptoms yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well here this all begs the question would you have rather known going into it that you were going to be only under a local anesthetic or would you have rather not known uh i would have rather not know yeah i i, I would have rather not, not known no. yeah i would have rather not known because yeah. like then i would then i'd be just fucking beside myself yeah. in the days leading up to that well, yeah, like I didn't tell Hallie, uh, you know, how she, how worried she was about it. I didn't tell her. I went in for on Monday, the June 14th, and I had her the weekend before. And I just I didn't tell her mm -hmm. because I knew she'd be worried. And uh, she just left. And I told her I loved her. And uh, she left all happy. And how were you feeling after she left? I was kind of feeling that I was wondering if I made the right decision. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if everything went wrong and everything, at least she knows I love her. Yeah. At least she knows like we had a good weekend, uh, the best weekend we could have at that point. And, uh, at least she knows how I feel and she, at least she knows her dad loves her. Yeah. And, and that, that was the main thing. Um, she left with good, good feelings in her heart rather than a, a worrisome heart. Like, is he going to die on Monday or, yeah. Which is a possibility, right? So well, this thing has like a ninety percent success rate. I, I feel like you said that ninety-eight percent. Ninety-eight. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty damn good. Of course, they got to put death on the warning label. It's an elective surgery, and they... yeah. Well, and then yeah. and then I wonder about like the breakdown of like a ninety-eight percent. Does that mean that two percent of people don't survive? Well, I was talking to one lady online because, uh, like I said, I'm so open about it. There's one lady that. Uh, She's going for her third time. Okay. Because they can't get the right spots <sighs> the first two times. So the first time she was asleep for it, and I guess she wasn't able to tell them mm -hmm. if they got the right spot. And the second time, I guess they just missed it. And the third time, she's like, I don't want to go again. But I said, well, at least they don't have to drill anymore. They, they, they just take the cap off. They cut the scalp. She goes, no, they have to drill to a different part of my brain. Wow. 
three times. That's that's a little nuts. So is she part of the two percent then? Where like is it ninety percent, ninety eight percent of uh, people have it performed and it works as it's supposed to, or there's this there's a success rate? Is that what you figured? Ninety eight percent of it, uh, people I think see improvement. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. Like they were telling me in my pre op interviews. They were saying that uh, because I'm a former addict and alcoholic, they're worried if I didn't get the results that I wanted to see, that I'd just go back and relapse mm. because there'd be because my expectations would be up here, right? Yeah. And I would just go back and just this feeling of hopelessness would take over. And I said, No, I, I know You're a realistic guy. A realistic guy. I wasn't even expecting this. Okay. Cause you alluded to this the other day, you know, the risk of relapse and, uh, and the relapse or actually the occurrence of uh, manic depression right now. Okay. So this isn't like, like you weren't at risk of relapse. Now you're talking about if it were unsuccessful. Well, I, I'm always at risk of relapse. Of course. I mean, um, increased though. I think it's increased because they're worried about uh, stimulating parts of the brain. Like when I said I was on that medication before, mm -hmm. they're stimulating dopamine to drive through my body. They're stimulating those parts of my body to generate more dopamine is what I'm lacking. Mm -hmm. And that makes the, that it drives the impulse, impulse control problems that I had so much mm -hmm. because I was already an alcoholic with an addictive addict personality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had these things and I was lying about my drug use and my, my alcohol use and all that stuff. Yeah. So they're worried about that again. Yeah. So walk me through the weeks, I guess. Yeah. Like the five, six, seven weeks after you have the surgery performed, like what are the next steps thereafter? Cause I think you were just turned on like a couple of weeks ago uh, and turned on being like that they activated it. Yeah. So I went in and uh, they showed me what my battery, where my battery was and what I could do. And I couldn't lift. They said no swimming, all that stuff. They want to make sure I had to go for an MRI or a CAT scan the next day because they wanted to make sure that it was all set right. And I didn't have any signs of infection in my brain. Then I, I had to go home to recover. I wasn't allowed to lift weights. I wasn't allowed to do anything. So it was a lot of Netflix and a lot of, I didn't go on Instagram or anything like that because it was just, there was nothing really good to report. It'd just be me showing off my scars. And finally I got my, I, my next uh, post was me getting my stables removed, which was a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later I went to get it turned on and, and uh, I had to go in without my meds again. Actually my off periods were even worse. There was a honeymoon period after the brain surgery. Mm-hmm because they were stimulating those parts of my brain that were heavily affected. And that had some lingering effects. It had some lingering effects. They said that's normal. Uh, they didn't tell me was that my off periods were going to be worse. Mm, okay. Um, so what happened was my off periods were worse, but at the same time, and then I was thinking, did I make myself worse? Did this make my, and uh, I said to myself, well, maybe they're worse because they got the right spots. Yeah. So maybe this is a good thing. So I just mm -hmm. persevered and took my meds. And then, uh, sorry, I just got to turn myself off here. What what, were you, what was that just now? I just had to turn myself up. Turn yourself up a little bit? Yeah. 
Okay, so in, increase the stimulation. Increase the stimulation. I'm at one point five right now, and they got me. They get they're allowing me to have two. So do you just sort of nudge it up like one tenth of a volt, or did you go all the way up to two? I I can go all the way up to two right now. Yeah, I was getting my sister to play with it yesterday. She she freaked her out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a part, I mean, you and I have a dark enough sense of humor that there's, you know, the element of the, almost like a parlor trick, but again, let's, let's circle yeah. back to the fact that right now you're in, you're increasing voltage going into your brain. Yeah. So this will make me better and not shaky. There we go. So, um, so how long ago was that, that, um, that you got turned on for the first time then? When I got turned on for the first time was two weeks ago. Okay. Two Thursdays ago, actually. And he, I went in without any meds again, and I could barely walk in there. It was pouring rain. I couldn't. My dad gave me a ride from Oshawa to Toronto. It's about an hour, depending on traffic. Mm -hmm. He dropped me off at the front doors of the hospital because it was pouring. I didn't want him to come out. So we're still kind of in the middle of a pandemic here. Mm -hmm. So they're they're. They weren't letting any visitors in the hospital. So I had to walk myself in mm -hmm. and uh, I could barely make it up there and I barely made it in there. And I'm just sitting there half dead and no dopamine and kind of answering all these questions, the same monotonous questions I've been asked a million times before. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy's just playing with my hands and seeing how stiff I am and if I can move and all that stuff. And, he keeps writing down numbers and seeing if I feel a tingle and all this stuff. And I'm just getting starting to get pissed off because it's, it'll take two hours and we're already an hour and a half into it. And I'm not feeling anything. And finally he tells me it'll be a couple minutes later. It'll be, be a couple minutes. You're not even turned on yet. I said, Oh, okay. And then finally I, I just, I've gotten so mad at him and so angry and I'm thinking I did this all for nothing. But then he goes, okay, we're ready to go. And he turned it on and he goes, I want you to cross your arms and stand up. And I crossed my arms and I stood up as easy as I ever could. Mm -hmm. And I just started walking. Oh, and it, shit. It, that was it, man. Yeah. And he goes, uh, okay, walk down the hallway. I got to see you walk. And I walk and I said, can I go to the bathroom? He goes, yeah, go to the bathroom. So, and going to the bathroom, not to get too morbid, is, is a little, is a little hard. When you have Parkinson's, like I had to make sure that I have the underwear with the holes in the front of it because I had to, you know, unzip my zipper and then go digging. Yeah. If you got, if you got to, uh, if you got to let it out the leg hole or something like that, things are a little different. Yeah. So uh, you got to make it as easy as possible. But with this one, when I got in there, the bathroom, it was just zip. And then when I washed my hands, I could wash them really easily instead of like frisking around at that minute. I, I felt like I, I felt like I was born again. Like I, I had died and I went to heaven and I had a new body because that's what, uh, that's what they say it would be like if you got to heaven, it, it, your diseases would all leave you and you'd be this perfect soul and everything was flowing so well. And then he, I got back to the room and I told him everything and he goes, uh, I said to he goes, you need to take your medication. I said, I don't need it. For the first time in 10 years, I'm telling somebody that I don't need my medication. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, you do need it because 
it's dopamine and you're going to get depressed if you don't take it. So I said, okay. So we, I took it and he left me for 15 minutes. And then 15 minutes later, I'm just going out of my skull back and forth. I've got all those uh, movements again because the medication was too much and it kicked in. Yeah. So the doctor came in to see me and uh, he said, is this all normal to you? And I go, no, this isn't normal. This mm-hmm. feeling of gotten to go and shakiness and all that stuff. It's not normal. He goes, okay, we're going to turn you down then. So he turned me down to one, 1.5. When I was at a three, almost four, I think. And he took it away and I got pissed off. I said, why, why would you do that? Why would you show me what I could be and what I can be and then take it away? They said, this is a process. You're going to go through it for a month. We got to wean you off your medication. We want to get you in that sweet spot where we can give you the stimulation and enough medication to hopefully get you on like one tablet every four or five hours instead of, well, I was taking two tablets almost an hour, hour and a half, Yeah, every hour and a half, just to be that, that shaky mess of a guy that you see, you saw in the last interview Yeah, where, uh, I was going through a bunch of challenges, but, mm-hmm. uh, so he explains that explains that yeah and it's it's let's call it suboptimal <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to give it a massive <laughs> understatement is, is the end goal is is the goal line here to exclusively rely on the dbs and to be off medications altogether is that what you're working toward i don't think i can completely be off medication because it is dopamine and i will get depressed without it i think so if i'm lacking dopamine yeah so like you said before, we're working toward like one tablet every four hours. Yeah, something like that. Because I don't really need it to move. Um, like when I get up in the morning, I don't have to take meds. I just have to turn myself up. And I feel I turn myself down purposely at night so I can feel the rush in the morning. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Like you turn it on and and then I can just I can just get out of bed when I had trouble getting out of bed. Hmm. And I can just, it's it's nice just to like, up out of bed, go to the bathroom, come back, and then sit down and take my meds. Put my shorts on, go to the gym, drive. It's amazing. Did you did you come up with that? The idea of turning yourself down overnight and then turning it up in the morning so you can have that amazing fucking revelation every day? Because to me, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tried to, I kind of came up with that in my head where I was like, I could come up every day and, uh, feel the feel it go up and realize and it's always I always feel lucky mm. I got into it with a buddy the other day we went for coffee ended up getting burnt in the parking lot and he asked me how things were going I said I feel pretty lucky I said I'm lucky my life hasn't even been that bad I said even neurological diseases I got the most treatable one out of all of them mm-hmm. I mean I've got an uncle who's got MS and he's in a wheelchair and and all that stuff and he doesn't know if something like this could help him but it definitely helped me and uh yeah it's just a revelation every day well yeah yeah every time you do that you get that taste of heaven again yeah yeah (sighs) oh man and it just feels feels great and i'm trying to make the most of it like going to the jays game took my daughter to the marvel marvel cinematic universe 
display they had at Yorkdale. I was able to drive there and drive back without any off days. I took it for pizza, stopped in Scarborough for pizza, the best pizza ever. And uh, she said it was a great day. She's such, I mean, she is just smart. I, 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 I was, I'm so impressed with Hallie. Is she, what is she, 11 years old? Am I, do I have that right? She's just 10. She just turned 10. She'll be 11 in March. Okay. I, <laughs> I have to ask, when she found out that you went and had brain surgery without telling her, how did that go over? Uh, she was pretty pissed. She made her mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I called her mom on the Thursday, because I get her Friday to Friday. I called her mom on the Thursday. I said, I think we better tell her because when she shows up and she's she sees uh, staples on my head and stuff like that, she's going to know something's up. Yeah. And uh, so we told her and she immediately got word that I'd be a different guy. Yeah. And I wouldn't be the same. So she made her mom drive her down here. It was like a half an hour mm-hmm. from where she lives and to see me so they came to see me and she gave me a big hug and she goes why didn't you tell me i said because because you'd worry Mm -hmm. and you left here oh you left here okay and you left here you knew i loved you and you left here and in a good state i didn't want you to worry about me and now it's all done and now you don't have to worry about me and she was she forgave me pretty quick gave me a big hug and we talked and said I was the same jerk that I was before. <laughs> there was this ironic twist that that, that uh, both you and she revealed in our previous conversations where she saw the silver lining in her father having Parkinson's right. in that you were always there with her. Yeah. Um, there's probably a lot to unpack here and I'm not a counselor. You know, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I say it in every episode, but this has got to be a little bit of a mind fuck for her at this point in terms of, uh, I, I don't know. Like how are things, how are things today now that she sees you, you know, symptom free and being able to do the things that you couldn't do before. Cause it's gotta be thrilling, but it's also gotta, there's gotta be some cognitive dissonance there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I, when I, like when I watch, when I watch your side by sides, it's like, holy shit, this is possible. This is what we've been driving toward as a society is this sort of technology. However, it's still, I have a hard time believing that it's possible. It's, it's a miracle, but it's also really, really jarring. And and maybe that, maybe that's a bad word to use. Yeah. I mean, I had trouble putting the, stuff in my body like I, I'll, I won't lie like when I, I sleep with my shirt off when I wake up in the middle of the night and look at myself in the mirror and see a battery hanging in my chest and like two little bumps on my head I was like oh my god what did I do to myself yeah but now when I see it I, I think of these things are helping me do the things that I didn't wasn't able to do yeah I'm going down the wrong path with this man I mean what what are <laughs> Here's a better question. Okay. You're such a miserable bastard. I apologize. That's okay. I like it. <laughs> what do you want to do now? Because holy shit, all the options are on the table. What do I want to do now? Everything. Anything that I can do. Um, there's been a lot of times where I just lay here in my bed, in my room, watching TV because there's just 
I knew in two hours, I, I'd go to the gym and stuff every morning and stuff like that. But I knew in like two hours or what, I mean, what, what's the point of going out if I, I got to keep taking pills and don't know how I'm going to be. And, uh, I, I've been out the last two weeks playing beach volleyball with my friends every Friday. <laughs> I, I made a mistake of headbutting the ball. Oh, wait, wait. I thought you said volleyball, not soccer. I, yeah, but I decided to be goofy and forgot that I had brain surgery. So I headbutted <laughs> the ball and then I said, oh shit. I'm not bleeding, am I? I said no. Uh, but no, it's it's. I I don't want to go do anything too extreme. I, I I've always wanted to go skydiving. I've always wanted to do things. I'm not sure what they're going to let me do mm-hmm. because I have this. But I know I can do a lot more because I have this. So, like you saw with the uh, the backwards lunges that I was doing, yep. you saw how difficult that was for me last year and this yeah. year after my surgery it just it's just boom so i'm starting to feel like the old me mm-hmm. i'm starting to feel like i don't feel 40 now i woke up the other day and my left pectoral hurt and i haven't felt that in a long time because i could actually flex yeah and control the muscles i actually have a mind muscle connection now when i work out which is unbelievable Maybe another bodybuilding competition is on the way because I can flex now. Mm-hmm. I can flex properly. Just be better than I could be. I can take my daughter camping by myself. Yeah. Which would be wonderful. Yeah. Going camping, just the two of you. I mean, you said it before, being able to drive for pizza or ice cream. I mean, these these things that it's so easy for all of us to, you know, to take for granted, you know, just just the little things in everyday life. And because you said that, you know, you you enjoy thumbing the bruise the way that I do, you know, we're both very much in touch with the entire uh, spectrum of our emotions. Here's a question for you. Uh, folks can like watch your reels and stuff and they can see, you know, the, the speaking competitions that you've been in and right. Your, your speeches are so damn powerful. They're also, you know, they're dark right? in terms of they're in your face. They are intense. Do you worry at all about losing your edge in that realm? Now that like shit, I, I shared frightened rabbit with you and that, that album midnight organ fight. I love yeah. it because it's such a miserable heart. I uh, like breakup heartbreak album. <laughs> and then they went out a couple of years later and they recorded the winter of mixed drinks, which there's literally a song on that album where he's singing. I'm not miserable now. Right. And I was like, damn it. I want you miserable. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I came here for. Yeah. Do you worry about, you know, lose, losing touch with that now that you're happy? I, I, I can't believe I'm asking that question, but. <laughs> uh, no, I understand completely what you mean. I uh, like that song by Garbage, I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> That's what I feel like sometimes. Like sometimes I feel like life isn't worth living unless you're miserable drunk. But I can see both sides of things now. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, before I could see only dark and now I can see bright sides of things and things like that. I can take things for what they're worth. God, I think all the good rock stars are dead. As I was saying that the other day, like Chris Cornell and, and Kurt Cobain and all that, they were very artistic. I think they, I don't like hair metal. I don't like any of that stuff, but I, 
I like when people sing about real things. Real things that happen to them. Yeah, for me, it's Elliot Smith, Shannon Hoon. I mean, Scott Hutchison from Frightened Rabbit. And uh, and, I mean, in terms of novelists, what's probably my second favorite uh, novelist, David Foster Wallace. That WT, what the fuck are you speech that I did. I can be proud of that. It didn't go anywhere in the speech competition. But there's a lot of people that was their favorite speech that I've done. Because it was so raw, it was so real, and uh, I haven't, I don't have any more speech competitions coming up very soon. There's one on forgiveness coming up, but I don't think I'm going to do that one. Do you know what's coming down the pike after that one? Do they give? Do you have topics in advance? The next one is actual because they're lifting bands here. The next one's going to be a body beautiful one. It's uh, it's actually going to be live on stage, mm. and I signed up for that one way back, and I didn't think I'd be able to do it because I'd be so shaky. But this this time, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to be do it live on stage. I, I can't. I got to memorize it all. I think I'm going to do it on uh, just the, my brain surgery, mm-hmm. I guess, and how I got these extra scars and I got the battery in my chest and how they're ugly, but yet something so beautiful comes out of them. I'm not going to sit there and brag and call myself beautiful, but all these movements and <laughs> all these movements and all my uh, everything that comes with this battery and with this electric charge, I guess, mm-hmm. is just wonderful experiences I've had in the last even just the two weeks yeah. that I've been able to experience. Besides, other than just laying in my bed and and wondering if I'll, I'll be able to make it through to the next, just the hope that I have. I remember looking at myself in the mirror on my off times before the surgery and just the hopelessness I would have in my head, my head. I, I would say, what kind of life is this? And I, I, I just want to shoot myself in the face. And it was, it took a lot to not, to not do that. Sometimes when I was by myself and things like that, I have to keep telling myself, this is just an off period. This is just low dopamine. Mm-hmm. You got to keep going through all this for everybody else. You've got Hallie, you've got people behind you that love you. and. Uh, if I didn't have that, I I wouldn't have any hope whatsoever. How many how many years sober are you now? It'll be six years in October. All right. Well, obviously we have some pretty badass recovery stories, and we want to help other people write those stories. So I'm encouraging them to get in touch with one of the partners of the podcast, DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois. Folks, if you or someone you love might have an issue with drinking, drugs, mental illness, or anger management, it's time to get in touch with my friends at DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois. It's time to set up an assessment. You've got nothing to lose. Depending on your situation, the assessment could be free. If you're loaded, it's going to run you 80 bucks. That's the max. If you're a veteran, an NIU student, or unemployed, you're going to get a break. My friend Ron Parch and his team use their 25 years of experience to build an individualized treatment plan that's confidential and effective. They approach people in distress with respect, and I cannot stress enough how important that is to feel respected when you're going through something. DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers has offices in Sycamore, Plano, and Crystal Lake. Check out DUISycamore.com or call 815-895-9000 and set up an evaluation today. Write this down, folks. Call 
8959000. Visit duisycamore.com or you can email duibhs at gmail.com. All right, uh, Martin. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, we t- we talked earlier about now that the dopamine is is different and it's being administered in a different fashion. You know, the the synapses and everything is firing different in your brain. Like we said before, there is an increased risk of relapse. Like you said, there's always a risk of relapse for folks like you and me who are in long term recovery. What a are you going to tap into that specifically going forward? I know that you tapped into Hallie and the people who love you in terms of not, I mean, you, I don't think that you were mincing words or saying that tongue in cheek before, you know, there's the contemplation of suicide, which is completely understandable with the low periods that were, you were in now, now going forward as you're like you said, you're a realistic person, you're grounded, you're conscientious as you deal with that risk of relapse. Is that what you'll tap into? Or what are some other things that you use in order to make sure that, uh, make sure that you don't fuck up? Well, I'm not going to lie on Thursday when I went to the Jays game, my dad and I were hanging out around downtown because I went and got charged up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I was feeling pretty good. And we went to this place, uh, called steam whistle brewery. Steam Whistle Roundhouse. And it was a patio. It was nice. It was the lunchtime. We were eating. Uh, he didn't. He didn't get a beer at that point. And I asked him why. I said, "You're at the Steam House. You're at the Steam Whistle Roundhouse. You should get like a fresh beer here, because I would do that." Mm-hmm. And he said, "No, it's okay. I don't need it." I said, "Well, I hope you're not doing that on my account." That's a total mind fuck in and itself. That's something yeah. I struggle with. It's like, please, for for God's sake, live your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm living my life. So why can't you live yours? Right. But he said, I had enough with his friend the other day. So I was looking at two guys. Got a nice spot on the patio on the, on the, uh, in the shade. And they're sitting there drinking a nice fresh steam whistle, cold beer. You, I could see the, the water, the, sweat dripping off the beer and I say, like, oh just be nice to have a beer just be nice to have one beer and then they got up and they left and they got up and they left quietly and i said you know what if i went and had one beer i wouldn't be getting up and i wouldn't be leaving quietly right because it'd just be beer after beer after beer then i'd piss my dad off because he'd be there with me wouldn't be able to control me i wouldn't be getting into the baseball game it's it was my brother's birthday first of all yeah Happy birthday, Luke. But it was my brother's birthday, and I, I wouldn't want to ruin that. Because at that point, it would have came became all about me. If I would have drank beer, I said, oh, I've got the surgery, and I've got Parkinson's, and I'm celebrating. And at that point, it would have just came became about me. But I was able to wow go move past that. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, that that's the playing the tape forward thing where you're thinking about what the yeah. fallout is of that. But that's also practicing the mindfulness where in the self-awareness where it's not just a matter of playing the tape forward to how shitty you're going to feel physically, but you know, that, that you would be putting the focus on yourself and it, that's, that's some next level shit, man. Good for you. Before we wrap this up, you know, when, when you were talking about the body beautiful speech that's coming up, I, I love that idea of, you know, looking at your literal body and the battery, the wire, you know, the, the, the scars and such, and the beauty that produces as a result of those things. But 
we'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to tell you that I found it absolutely beautiful that you joined me in this space and you continue to put your, you, you were constantly out there on Instagram showing what Parkinson's looks like and showing that you were able to live your life and be a kick-ass dad despite those things. You found a way to make those symptoms beautiful. And I don't think that, I don't, I don't think we should lose track of that because to me, that was extraordinary too. You know, life is this series of chapters and I think you have a place to speak from in a whole variety of ways that the body is beautiful. I can't wait to hear this speech. How, how far down the road is that? September, end of September. So I got to start writing it soon. <laughs> that speech at the end of September is going to be appointment viewing. I'm eagerly awaiting more details on that. And I'm, I'm sure you'll let us know. <laughs> I'll let everybody know. Yeah. Cool, man. Keep living the dream, right? Oh yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> One volt at a time. <laughs> all right. That's perfect, dude. We'll right. talk to you soon. All right. Yeah. All right. Peace. All right. So if you haven't flocked to the gram yet to follow Martin Parker, do it now. Go forth. Find at Martin P K I S on Instagram and stay tuned for that speech, man. It's going to bring the freaking house down. And while you're there, you know, check out his old reels. He's got all of his speeches from, uh, from the competitions in the past. They're intense. They're so good. So thank you so much to Martin for coming on the podcast. Thank you all for being here until next time. Catch me on Instagram at 40,000 underscore steps every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. You can catch me on there for a little IGTV chat. If you got up as early as I did today, don't look for me there today because I am going to be in the city celebrating my girl's birthday. All right. All right. Did you have fun? I had fun. Thanks again to Martin for joining us. Thank you all for being here. And remember, if it feels like things are falling apart outside of this space that we're creating, just remember that we are always coming together. I love all of you so much and we'll catch you soon. Peace. <laughs>